I have like a list of goals of brands that I want to work on. Um, so, and I, I've really been partnering with my clients. So whether it's through agency or just as a freelancer to help my clients tell stories that reflect the lives of black South Africans in different ways. Um, so whether it's um, representing kind of an LGBTQIA couple um, in like, yeah, in a piece of work that we're working on, or it's um, making sure that like people who grew up outside of the city are represented in the way that a standard bank, for example, will tell a story. Um, it's really for me, my journey has really been about representation, but also um, in, in all of that and through all of that, it's been about getting my money's worth because I've realized that I'm actually really good at what I do um, and the skills that I have are special. And so in having special skills, I've had to learn to make sure that I consistently get what I'm worth from clients um, and from employers because you can't assume that people will pay you what you are worth just because you know that you're great and they know that you're great. Before we get to the part about um, getting your money's worth, I just I, I find it very um, fascinating that you were able to firstly you know, see yourself as a storyteller in journalism and the transition to advertising. How do you feel you add value even in that space? Because I mean, it's all media, but it's very different. How is your messaging on representation being carried out and how do you find fulfillment in that? So yeah, I definitely think that it, it was a it was a a bit a big jump um, moving from because journalism and you'll know this from journalism school it's very formulaic um, so it's who what when where how um, and that's the story but what um, kind of what you learn when you get into the working environments and I don't know if you've seen this but what you learn is um, that as much as there's that five W's and H formula. There's also the formula that speaks to, um, and it's, it's not spoken. It's, it's just, it's an underlying kind of layer that speaks to um, telling stories that cater to a specific kind of person in South Africa. Stories that will make sure that um, those kind of people will continue to buy um, either ad space or buy your newspaper or tune into your radio station or tune into your TV station. Um, and what I found, like I said, I thought that that was very limiting, is creating and curating um, stories, um, even though there's a myriad of kind of stories that South African journalists could tell. The reason that South African journalists have to focus on um, kind of a corruption narrative, I'll use that as an example, is because that's what sells. Um, and that's not why I got into this. And so, like I said, moving over into advertising, um, I have more power because I'm co-creating the stories with my clients. And so it's not me telling um, stories about what's happening in the country every day. Um, 
but it is me reflecting the real lives of real South Africans. And so whether it's, yeah, whether it's writing like a radio script um, with a team and like putting together a strategy that helps them write a radio script that, that really reflects kind of um, what my grandmother would listen to on Ukozi and KZN um, for a brand like Vodacom. Um, that's me being able to authentically bring myself um, into the room and make sure that people who look like me and who have experiences like me are represented in even the ads kind of that we're listening to and that we're scrolling by, that we're watching on television um, because I'm tired of, and I've been tired for years now of seeing black people dancing for chicken or black people dancing for, uh, I don't know, something silly like clothing um, or spices. Um, there's so much more, there's so much richness to our stories. And because that's not going to come across um, for me in kind of in journalism, um, I've really been able to find that platform. Even Yeah, even in building with like a financial client, like a visa and being like to visa, actually, why don't we try? So this is what you want to do for your brand. Why don't we try and do what you want to do for your brand in this way um, and see how it resonates with people? So really, for me, storytelling is about creating stories that resonate. And I've found more um, resonance with my work um, in advertising and more freedom, actually, to create those stories because clients are wanting to speak to people. They're wanting to um, access, um, yeah, kind of real South Africans and real Africans as well. Was that move inspired by money? to get into the money conversation because, but before you answer that, I just want to, from you as a, a young black South African, what does money mean to you, especially in the context of, you know, your career and what you do for a living, how important is money and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think money is crucial. Um, money is how capitalism says that you are valuable or not valuable. And so whether, you believe that money is important or not. Um, if you do work for an organization, for a client, um, you should, like you get compensation and money. And so the amount of money that you get says whether or not you bring value. Um, and what I really found was in media across, so this is not unique to journalism, um, just in media across, black, um, young black people are super undervalued. Um, people don't get paid what they're worth because um, we're hungry for an opportunity. And I had to have a very real conversation kind of with my parents um, about my move over from journalism into advertising. And it, wa it wasn't necessarily a money thing. It was definitely about the storytelling and, and feeling um, more, like I have more power in the move over. Um, but I had to have a very real conversation with my parents, which really sobered me up because um, for the first kind of two years of my career, they had to support me still. Um, because I was earning, I think at the time, initially 6,000 Rand and then after tax as well, um, once I got a bump up, and that's an inverted commas, I was earning about 8,000 rand and needing to pay for an apartment, um, pay for food, pay for travel, um, and living kind of in the Stanton area of Joburg, so that I was close to the office. So it was really unrealistic. Um, and so I had to have a real conversation with my parents about shucks, actually, if this is what the media industry is about, then we'll have to figure out how we make it work. And their advice was, go get a master's. And I was like, actually, no, I think that there's a way for me to be able to negotiate and find, um, and find people who see my value and pay me what I'm worth um, without necessarily needing to stop doing what I love. And so money in my career has been a very tricky subject consistently, um, but more and more, um, and the more and more conversations that I've had um, with kind of um, employees, with I mean, employers, with clients, 
um, potential employers because there's a lot of offers that I've had to turn down because I'm like, actually, like, I'm glad that you're interested in me, but what you are offering me in terms of monetary value isn't, um, isn't at the level that I deserve. Um, so I've had to, yeah, be very sober-minded in my approach to money because money matters and white people know that when money matters. Um, I think white men and like get it, like get their money's worth, um, but also are empowered enough to speak about it. And I really want to create a culture where as black women, um, people might not recognize our value, but we're empowered enough to be like, hey, actually, um, I'm really good at what I do. I really bring in value to um, this business, this company, to um, your, your, your brand, um, pay me what I'm worth. And let's talk about that because um, I'm referring to, you know, um, as, uh, as young black people, our inability to sort of negotiate our worth. You know, people, a lot of people say you are never paid what you're worth, but you paid what you negotiate. So how does that process, you know, begin? Like, like how, in your experience, what have you had to do in order to, you know, shake ta- the table and say, no, I don't think this is, is fair. I don't think this is adequate. It doesn't match with what I bring to the table um, and also perhaps doesn't even match my skills. How, how have you navigated those conversations over the years? Yeah, like I said, it's, it's been with great difficulty. I won't lie to you. So um, the first time that I had a negotiation about money um, and was actually adamant because it was probably the fourth or the fifth time in my career. And every time that I had asked for money and um, they'd come back to me and said, no, I'd like kind of shy away and be like, oh, okay, cool. Um, because the line, and this was um, especially in journalism, um, was uh, so many young people would love to have your job. Um, why, like, um, why do you think that you should get more money when we could just get someone else in? And so for a long time, I'd kind of like have my tail between my legs and walk out of the important person's office. And the first time that I really like um, was adamant about my worth was because my parents had my back. They were actually like, mm, no, if they're saying that you're, doing this um, at this, you're performing at this level, um, then you should be getting compensated on this level. And I think it was really empowering for me to have that conversation with my parents um, because otherwise I might not have felt empowered to be like, actually pay me what I'm worth. And um, that exchange ended not in them offering me more money um, at that particular um, company, um, but in me having to hand in my resignation letter um, because they weren't willing to pay me what I'm worth. Um, but still wanting for me and forcing me to accept an offer for a promotion, um, but not really willing to meet me at the level that my colleagues were with. And how do I know what my colleagues were earning at that level is because we spoke about it. When I got the offer letter, um, I felt like something was off about it. And I reached out to a couple of people. I was like, hey, actually, um, you and I, you know, you are a safe space for me. What are you, like, what range are you getting paid? And so I wasn't like, what are you earning, you know, in terms of um, zero zeros. But I was like, what range are you earning? And um, when you moved up to this level, where did you start? Um, and they were able to help me be like, cool, I actually, um, even in negotiating, I was negotiating in this kind of range, which was way below what I was getting offered. And um, the people I was speaking to were white women um, and other women of color. So not necessarily black women, but other women of color and also black men. And everybody that I spoke to, I consulted, I think, with three or four people um, who I trusted in the company. And they were all getting paid above me. Um, but kind of the work that I would be doing was at the same level as them and I was meant to be performing um, to same sim- or similar KPIs 
Um, so I really had to have a conversation with kind of the leadership in the company being like, cool, I don't believe that you guys are seeing my work. Um, and I had to hand in my resignation. And since then, I've kind of been felt, felt more empowered to speak up and ask for what I'm worth and really negotiate. You're right. It's about negotiating and really negotiate within a certain range. And I'll always be the one to start the money conversation so that I'm not lowballed. Because if you wait for them to start the money conversation, then they'll start you at something that's way lower. So you'll go. So it's important that you go, actually, um, what I expect, um, kind of either you go in the range. So I expect in this range monthly or what's actually better for me is usually before you even walk into the meeting, you go, cool. So um, my cost to company for the year, I expect it to be this. This is how much I expect to take home. Um, and then you're starting the conversation from the position of actually being empowered um, because then they need to negotiate down from where you had started. And if they can't meet you there, then they need to say so. Um, and you're able to then maybe, if they can't meet you at a monetary kind of number, you can then maybe negotiate perks and benefits. Um, I know a colleague who moved over to a different company, but they weren't able to pay her same salary. And what she was able to negotiate was call um, you can pay, pay, either pay me, don't pay me less than what I'm worth, pay me exactly what I'm getting now, um, but then you'll have me for four days of the week instead of five. And so there's different ways to be able to kind of negotiate so that you're getting your um, value for your time that you're putting into, into the company. So for that one day of the, of the, of the, of the week, um, she then can do freelance work and make that money up. And it's really important to understand that you have that power when you step into those rooms. There are a lot of like young people who, you know, especially in the climate that we're in right now, um, that is very like frustrated, no jobs. Mm. And, and it's, it, it seems like, you know, you'd be so ungrateful as you were mentioning as a young person who, who has a job right now to say, you know what, I don't feel like I'm being, you know, paid, um, according to my value and what I bring. I mean, how do, is there a timing as to when, you know, one can start having those money conversations? Because I think, you know, when, it, when it's, you know, your first time, you know, um, you know, working and you don't understand corporate South Africa, how would you say one can go about sort of asserting themselves in a way that helps them, you know, be able to, you know, know what they should be earning and how to have those difficult money talks? Um, you're right. You can't just step into the room with um, fresh, just with your piece of paper and your degree um, and be demanding kind of certain amounts. Um, so you definitely need to have a level of experience, but experience is something that's often used against young black people um, across the industries. So for me, it's always important to understand, um, um, yes, one experience. So experience in advertising, for example, is a number of brands that you have worked on in different industries and not just worked on, but how many clients have you won awards for? Um, how many clients have you made kind of groundbreaking um, work that shifts boundaries for? So work that actually, um, so you measure kind of your worth by the impact that you've had in, in the amount, number of time that you've been in the industry. So again, and being transparent, I spoke to friends of mine who they work as a team and kind of um, they started out as interns in advertising and were earning very little money, very, very little money. Um, and what they were able to do is gather their accolades and kind of build themselves up so that um, when they wanted to move over from one to another, 
um, they actually had that bank of experience to speak about. And experience is not necessarily years again, because that's so debilitating and they use that against so many young black people, but it's, it's what you've done. Um, so what skills have you gained in the amount of time that you've been in this industry? And um, what value are you actually bringing? Which is why um, when I first had conversations about money, I wasn't equipped to speak about it properly because even though I was bringing value to that company at that time, I didn't understand the amount of value that I was bringing out. It's only in, in, in retrospect that I'm like, actually we pioneered that and they're still doing that and selling that the clients making money. Um, so it's an understanding how you're building for longevity for brands um, that will live long and will, you know, grow based off of your hard work. And so you must always make sure that you get kind of um, your money's worth for the amount of effort that you're putting in. So again, you can't negotiate for like a, I don't know, 60,000 rand starting salary um, with just your piece of paper. But once you've got kind of some um, accolades and awards, you can um, start speaking about, cool, actually, um, I'm, like I'm worth 100,000 rand a month. Um, to your company because of this and this and this. Yeah, I think that's what's important is to realize the value that you're bringing um, and negotiate kind of from that perspective and not be unrealistic also. So what I advise um, young people to do usually is to look at um, salary surveys and see kind of what range you should be paid in. So if you're junior, what range should you be paid in versus when you're mid versus when you're senior? Are those always accurate? No, I wouldn't say that all of them are reliable. I have specific ones that I go to for my industry um, that I know are reliable. And then um, there are some that actually underpay young people. So there was one company that I was negotiating with. And I was like, cool. So based off of this survey, I am in this range. And they were like, oh, actually, we feel like that is inflated. We use this survey. I was like, mm, okay, cool. Then clearly we shouldn't be sitting at the same table because we're not even negotiating kind of over the same thing. Um, but how I was really able to skip um, skip a lot was by in um, realizing my value I decided to consult and go freelance um, so yeah in going freelance I was able to really gain control regain control of my time my skills um, and also then my money because I would approach clients and be like cool this is what I'm valued at um, this is what I'm offering and then they would then and it would be kind of a direct exchange instead of going through an employer an employer so when by the time I went back into agency I was valued way higher because of the amount of work I'd been able to do kind of for clients like um, yeah one of my clients actually was uber and we did some really cool work and I wasn't getting paid a lot of money so I wasn't getting paid like gang 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 but I was getting paid enough um, and I was able to use that leverage to be like, actually, I've done some really cool stuff consulting for this global brand um, in sub-Saharan Africa. What I could bring value to you as well um, as, as, a, as, a, as an agency or as a client, et cetera. Yeah. Just to, to deviate a bit, I just want to talk about um, freelancing because um, I think in, in, in the time that we're living in right now, I think things of like permanent jobs and uh, fixed term full-time contracts are going to be you know, not so much a thing. And um, it's, I think it's going to force a lot of people, especially in the media industry, when you have so many magazines shutting down um, and other publications, you know, having to, you know, sort of like freelance their skills. In, in, your, in your journey with freelancing, um, what would you say were the things that you had to learn quickly 
um, and, and also how did you, you know, manage to get regular work? Because I, I, I've never, I've never done it, but my thing has always been, I don't know if I were to, you know, manage not knowing if I'm going to earn a salary this month or not, you know, all the, like, it looks frustrating from the other side. So uh, how, what, yeah. how was that experience like for you? Yeah, it can be super frustrating. Um, just from a money perspective, my first ever freelance gig, um, I was working on Hyundai and I didn't speak money with the people beforehand. Um, so I did the work, did the work, did the work and it was amazing. They were so grateful. But when it was time to kind of pay me, um, they were like, no, no, but um, uh, here's the hamper um, for your amazing work. And I was like, no, but I've sent through an invoice, whatever, whatever. And it wasn't Hyundai the brand. I was working through an agency. And they were like, no, no, we've given you this thing. And um, I didn't have the tools to fight for myself and to be like, no, I deserve my tens of thousands of rands of money, you know, give me my money. So I was like, mm, okay, cool. And I had to like run um, to my parents, tell between my legs and be like, babes, I did work for Hyundai. We were so excited, but like the money, you know, they didn't come through. Um, and because my dad is a business, um, like kind of is in business, we then had to have a, a real conversation about, cool, it's not just enough to say you're an entrepreneur. You actually need to show up in how and run yourself as a business. So I had to learn quickly to run myself as a business. So when someone um, first reaches out to me, be like, cool, here's my rate card um, for my services. Um, and then if you are happy kind of with this, then let's start discussing as opposed to doing work for free, for free, for free, and then negotiating kind of money at the end. It's important to speak money from the beginning. The other thing that's difficult is getting clients, of course. Um, and I've always, always um, kind of gotten clients through referrals. Um, and networks like Rhodes have been really helpful. So yeah, people who went to Rhodes, that's actually how I got into, um, into the Uber gig was through um, this girl who'd been through Rhodes way before me, but like, were referred through kind of roads networks um, people I went to high school with as well. So my high school network as well. Um, and it's really just leveraging relationships, which is why um, a lot of the time people who succeed as freelancers are white traditionally um, because they're able to leverage networks. White people will leave a company and be able to come back as a consultant. Whereas as black people, that's not an option that's actually open to you. Whereas white people will get a call back being like, Hey, Zbanbani, actually, can you come back and consult? That actually happened, that finally happened to me after like years and years, um, I think about two years ago, and I was too swamped to actually jump on board and help out, but I was shook. I was like, mm, you're, you guys want me to, huh? what? I didn't say that, but I was shook. Um, because black people don't get those opportunities. Yeah. Like, um, you're either permanent or you're not, you're not part of the team. Um, so yeah, it's really leveraging networks and um, in doing successful work for one person another person will then be like oh okay cool actually um yeah like when i was writing for cosmo that was often a referral from other people being like mm, actually we like the way you did this maybe um so and so is looking for this maybe you could um mm -hmm. but the issue with referrals is that you then need to sift through the trash and not do everything and when you're hungry you might end up doing kind of trashy pieces of work but i've really had to learn to be like Mm, actually the values of your company and what you're trying to achieve don't align with who I am as a person. Um, so thanks, but no thanks for your money. Yeah. But that's a big privilege. That, that, that is, yeah, I still don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been thinking about it. Like I just also like time management, I guess also like just like what you're mentioning about yeah. running yourself as a business. 
I think I think it's a personality thing, no? Because I, <laughs> I think I think I'd, I think I'd just be overridden by anxiety because I'm just like, okay, fine, I, I got these gigs two or three this month. What about next month and the other month? I hear you. How do I, I sustain you. myself? Oh no. But I, I, I also then wanted to move on um, before we wrap up. Uh, you know, now you're sort of like established in, in, your, in, in your field and, you know, you, you understood the game of money and how to negotiate for it. What does that mean, like, in terms of, like, your life? Because I think people always say, I want more money, I want to be paid my worth or whatever. But then it's like, I mean, it's a, it's just a very subjective question, but then... What, as as a, a young person, how are you? How do you learn to be responsible, like for your money? Like, what does your money do for you, and why is hence why is it important? Yeah, so that's a really great question, actually, um, because for the longest time I was like, I want money, I want money, okay, and then and then I got money, and um, I think I spent two years, I was earning a lot of money, <laughs> but not seeing it, you know. Um, and I was just eating money, just living my best life, like on the streets with my mates. Um, yeah, skipping borders every now and again, living our best lives in gym without a plan. So not even skipping borders to be like, yeah, we're doing a Euro trip. No, no, we're just in jail, popping over jail. Like, it's losing. making a mess, being a mess, having no plan. Um, so yeah, I guess what's been really great about a cola and surrounding myself with the right people, um, is learning how to manage money. So exactly what you're saying about if I do have um, money left over, putting it in savings, right? But not putting it in savings for whatever, because that doesn't make sense, but having a plan for why. Um, and so initially I was doing that kind of like um, by myself and with the help of friends being like, mm, maybe you should and do this and invest here. Um, and now I'm lucky enough to have someone who's kind of um, working closely with me in my money journey so that I am who, so that in five years I look back and I'm, I'm, I'm who I want to be. Like I've done with um, the income, the things that I want to achieve um, as opposed to just spending whatever. So really deciding, cool, this is who I am, um, but this is who I want to be in the world and this is how I want to show up in the world. And so let money help me with that. Um, so instead of having a, like, a pension for online shopping and kind of overspending online, um, really using like extra income to help me um, achieve my goals. And those might be financial goals, but also um, sometimes it looks like very real goals. Like I'm currently, I'm registered for a course um, that I'm doing with an institution in, um, in the States. Um, and I'm paying for that out of my own pocket because I have kind of the extra income coming in every month. And so it's really about setting my goals and seeing how my money can help, um, can help me achieve those things. Um, yeah, and having a plan, really. And, 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 and in follow-up to that, how would you say, you know, your ability to you know, negotiate your worth in terms of what you do helped your life personally? I mean, you, you just talked about, you know, it has given you sort of like no choice and the ability to, you know, work towards your own personal goals. But generally, in mm. terms of your esteem, in terms of how you see yourself, because I think those are also important things that I, I find when when we when when we devalue ourselves in terms of you know yeah. we are paid for or compensated in terms of our jobs, it affects yeah. all the other areas of our lives. So I I I just want to talk about how 
that has positively affected how you see yourself and also just your growth as a person? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it helps you with your self-esteem and not because your value is linked to money, but if, you're, if, you, if you are able to negotiate and get um, kind of in the range that you say that you are worth, um, then when you step into a room, you understand that you deserve to be in that room. Because um, as, as black women and young black people, often we second guess ourselves. Um, and so if someone, if you have said, hey, I am worth 20, like 20, 100,000, right? Um, and they give you that, then when you step into a room, you understand that, cool, this person um, believes me when I say this, so I need to show up um, as who I, say, I have said I am consistently. Whereas when I was um, being underpaid, um, starting out in the media industry, like I would often like not even want to give a fuck about my work. And I'm someone who loves, I'm so busy. I really, um, yeah, like I, I, I pour all of myself into my work, but not getting paid my value. Um, I actually wouldn't even um, want to have a good attitude about the work that I was doing every day. Because when you're hungry, it's difficult to have a good attitude. Um, when you're struggling to make ends meet, even though you are going into work every single day and delivering your best every single day, that really affects your confidence. And so I really think um, over the last kind of couple of years in having, to, in, in having the privilege of earning what I have asked for, um, I've really been able to show up as my best self. And I've really seen it show up um, in the way that I even do my work and interact with my clients because I, I give them the best of me consistently. And even when I'm frustrated, I work from a place of, um, of wanting the best for the client, the company, um, and myself, as opposed to, Vele, you don't see me, so actually, mm -hmm. um, but because you're paying me um, and we've agreed on I'm worth something, um, then let me like work out the issue from a place of, cool, we want to work towards the same goals. Um, and I really think it's been helpful in that way, which is why I'm so passionate about young black people earning what we're worth. Um, and even if you're fucking up when it comes to money and you're not kind of, you know, like um, being responsible, you learn. Um, and how are you going to learn if you haven't um, been given an opportunity to in terms of earning um, that, that money? Yeah. And if you have an issue, perhaps, let's say, for example, contractual or with regards to compensation and you want to escalate it to you know the higher people and you talk to your manager and then it doesn't succeed and then you think maybe i can you know address it with hr as a complaint whatever and then that also backfires i mean what i mean do you know besides resigning because i think you know also part of corporate south africa they like to frustrate black people so that they yeah. voluntarily walk away. How would you say you work around it? I don't know if in your experience, you know, with you no know, contractual and, 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 and um, salary spats, you've had to deal with sort of like, you know, disappointment from HR. Mm. So I think um, in, my, in my kind of career and journey, I've been privileged enough to always have access to the highest person in the company. Um, so when I resigned from that job, um, where we failed to negotiate um, in good, what, what's the word? In good, <laughs> in good, um, in good esteem. I can't find it. Or so something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we failed to negotiate, the person that I like was having it out with was our CEO and the like, founder of the company. Um, and 
um, even at my last job, like I didn't leave a disgruntled employee, but I left because I was like, actually, I've done everything I wanted to um, on this brand. I think I've contributed and now I'm ready to like move on. And he was like, cool, but there's opportunities to grow for you here. And I was like, I hear you, but there's some politics that I'm actually not trying to be involved in um, from a middle management perspective. So yeah, I've always had the privilege of having access to the person who has the, um, who has the power um in the company or like from a client perspective and what's what what that has really taught me is um that the person who's in charge um always has such good intentions and it doesn't always trickle down through their middle management lower management to the employee um so as far as possible um yeah like yeah just as far as possible if you um understand the person the person who is in charge um to have values that are saying one thing but if the people that are oppressing you or kind of bullying you in the workplace are living out kind of a different set of values um then definitely try escalate through the channels but before you ever go to hr have a conversation and it's not about escalating being like oh they've done this it's more about actually spend money could we go for a coffee like my ceo and i before we resigned at that um at that kind of first job in advertising we went for lunch and i was like spend money it's hectic you know um and after that we had like a couple of walks um and just i had him hear me out because he understood that i was someone who brought value to his company and so he was willing to hear me out when i was like hey actually this is what's up and really um as young black people often we shy away from um addressing the most powerful person in the room um but i've really learned in my in my career like i said I've, i'm feeling like i've i've been i've consistently been empowered but even more so um now so just to um yeah raise your hand to that person reach out whether it's dropping them an email to be like hey could we go for a coffee um dropping a whatsapp if you're about that kind of thing um in in bigger companies i guess it's it's more difficult to have access to those people but i've always found that they're very willing to have a conversation with you as someone who works um and has the best interest of the company at heart so before you ever before you're frustrated by hr and before you ever go to hr um reach out to the person who seems to care the most in the company and um the last agency that i was with um i had good relationships with some of the people on exco but i would really like vouch for our ceo like he was a great guy who was always down to hear what's up and um funny enough one of the people that I had a good relationship with was on who was on Exco was um the the head of people um so essentially like the lead lead HR person and um I skipped her and was like mm, no nope, actually I'm going to have a session I'm going to just have a half an hour catch up with this guy um and I slotted myself into his diary and people are usually people in power are really usually willing um to hear people out you know there's this notion um about keeping salaries a secret that oh, is organized yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know that i was once called to a disciplinary hearing because <laughs> um i had asked people about their salaries i'd been like hey ban money um i've gotten this offer i spoke about it earlier i've gotten this offer this is what i'm saying i am not feeling it what are you earning white women um like other women of color and um, black men i uh, was very frank and they were like babes this is the range they were like like i said you know they don't have to tell you the numbers but they were like this is the range i'm earning and then you know that you're being screwed over and the reason that companies 
don't want you to know what other people are earning and like it's a there's a whole like oh there's a privacy policy thing it's because they're not willing to be transparent about who is overpaid who has a master's and is earning five thousand rand versus who is a white man that has been working um for five years with a like with a diploma i'm no offense people with diplomas but i'm just saying with a <laughs> diploma um but he's earning like fifty thousand, and it's not fair so it's a, like it's um it's a way to silence people so that um you're not questioning the company about how they're valuing people and i'm not saying go get fired or go get, go get called to disciplinary hearing because i've made that like i've done those problems so that you don't have to um but it's not cool and i will always um encourage people to find safe spaces so i mean i've freelanced quite a bit so even as a freelancer to compare rates with um colleagues in the industry to be like um okay so i'm charging this much i'm charging hourly how what like what are you doing and people are always especially if you've built relationships people are always willing to share it be like yours but money actually you're being underpaid or yo you're earning a lot of money do you know what i mean um and then they know to go and like try and negotiate and you mustn't go man money is earning this much but you go actually i understand that people in this company at this level are earning in this range i would like to be at the same level and why do you think we don't do that like i think it just across board as as young people i mean would you ever have like sit with your friends and you guys just tell each other how much you earn i mean of course i think for the sake of i don't know your own you know safety or, or privacy i mean no one has the right to know but i think in general yeah. because we don't we don't discuss them socially because i think white people do so and that's why they actually have you know you know the courage to demand what they're worth because they know even yeah. the people who are not who don't have qualifications they just know how much a, a guy yeah. But there's money yeah yeah there's money and so they can they can actually ask for it and so i find that with us especially black young people it's like we 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 show the we show our money through possessions which are loans by the way so it's like <laughs> girl whoa, why <laughs> why do you think we don't talk um, about money i mean i i guess yeah, yeah. i It's, it's a... we don't and you're right we really really don't but uh, like i learned like i learned very quickly which it's important to speak about money because i will be living my best life eating sushi drinking champagne epaluka or whatever and you'll be like oh this man money has so much money kanti maybe like i don't know maybe my friend that i'm out with is spotting me on that night do you know what i mean yeah. so there's a lot of illusions with us and my friends and i we speak about money we speak about money all the time like when i'm doing too much my girls are like babes you're doing a lot um what's happening did you get like an upgrade singazi you know um but money conversations are super super important because if i like if i'm comfortable telling my friends my boyfriend as well kind of know yeah he knows exactly like how much i'm earning i know how much he's earning and the reason that it's important to be transparent is so that we don't um push one another to live a lifestyle that's outside of our budget. So if I am going out to Saint for example with my girlfriend who's in town from Cape Town this is a real thing um and we go and she orders um a bottle of um Moet, right? And I'm like who gani? Yes, yes, yes. Um but when it's my time to get the bottle um because I'm not earning what she's earning me awkward whereas when we're open with one another she'll be like no friend I'll get this. and i'll be like cool cool i'll get this thing because i know that this is within my and she knows that this is in my range um and we're not like pushing one another to live a lifestyle that doesn't make sense 
And on months where I'm like, mm, babes, actually, Imali, it's not making sense. She understands whether, like, that if we're going out, it's on her, or we can come to my house and hang out, and um, be chilled. And the same thing in my relationship is if um, we, we understand what so-and-so is earning, what so-and-so's responsibilities are, then he can meet me where I am and I can meet him where he is. And I can't, I'm not going to expect him to like take us on an elaborate vacation to Dubai when I know that these are his financial goals and this is what he's working towards to, towards. Um, instead, I'll like um, alter my expectations and also fix my life so that um, I'm not doing too much and he does the same so that he's not doing too much. Um, and that we're aligned because I believe in energy. So even our energies when it comes to money and our financial goals should be aligned. That's why I have people who are in the same, they might not be earning the same, but they have the same approach um, to Mbilo as me.